Where do you turn for business building ideas that could make you a fortune? If you're an agent or advisor, discover the new online destination for the industry, insurancewebex.com. There you'll get the inside track to exclusive opportunities and industry education that is geared to help you grow your business. Sign up now to become an Insurance WebEx Insider for free access to exclusive web classes hosted by some of the most successful mentors and insurance producers in the industry. Get exclusive free trials and discounts from companies offering consumer leads and prospecting programs. Stay connected to the pulse of the industry with business building webinars, new product launches, and lead generation programs, as well as addressing issues facing the industry. Visit www dot insurancewebx.com that's www.insurancewebx the letter x dot com quantum marketing radio the marketing podcast for insurance agents and financial professionals Welcome to another episode of Quantum Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Louis Hillman, alongside the Leverage Marketing Guy. Hey, Jeff Thompson here. Yes, and we have the pleasure of speaking with Dwayne Sparks today. He's the chairman and founder of the Sales Board, best known for the action selling process. And it's a sales training based out of Minneapolis. And this organization has trained more than 400,000 people across a plethora of industries, um, and it's a process that anybody in any sales uh, practice can be using, and it's pretty cool, actually, Jeff himself went through the sales training back in the early 90s uh, when he worked at the National Camera Exchange. Yeah, I was actually really lucky to, uh, to have met Dwayne uh, early in the establishment of action selling, and, you know, some of the things... Um, the, the impact that it had on me personally in my sales career is that it took me from being mediocre to the top salesperson, um, and it, it's been duplicated in numerous other companies since then. So uh, I'm a huge supporter of the program and the system, and can, I think it really can make a huge difference in somebody's sales career. So since we're all about marketing and leverage, this is one of those important pieces of leverage that any of our producers listening in today can you know take hold of and uh, really transform their business so welcome Dwayne thank you Jeff and Louie uh, pleasure to be on your program Dwayne tell us a little bit about um, your background what motivated you get you to get into the sales training arena and was there a certain breakthrough moment in your career where you realized that was your passion yeah, just hearing Jeff's story was my passion. I, it's wonderful to hear uh, of people that I met many years ago that have you know built a career around uh, uh, the action selling sales process. And you know, thank you for sharing that, Jeff. I, um, I it makes my heart feel good. Um, <laughs> my background uh, prior to the sales board, that's the company that uh, developed action selling. Um, I used to own a computer company in the early 80s and the early to mid 80s. Uh, I was in the personal computer business, and um, I started that company and uh, was, you know, a small competitor when you start out, and uh, grew that company to becoming, uh, you know, a dominant player. And uh, the story of that probably will be helpful to understand 
how I uh, developed my passion for sales training. Uh, when we started our company, we sold IBM PCs and Apple and you know all the other popular brands that were available at that particular time. Um, but we had 40 competitors in the same town, Minneapolis, St. Paul, that sold exactly the same products. Um, so, you know, when you're starting out, you don't buy at the best prices and, you know, you don't get the most leverage from the suppliers, you know, other people are getting their attention. So in order to develop our business, we felt we had to differentiate what we were selling in some way, shape, or form to help, you know, drive our business and, and be able to buy more so we could get better pricing on the purchases that we made. Um, so our first attempts were to you know, uh, provide services that uh, our competitors weren't offering, and, um, and, and that worked for a little while, but once they got wind of what we were doing, they copied that very quickly. So then we began to bundle things uh, with, with the computer products and, and make a complete system out of it, including training and installation and those kinds of things. Well, wouldn't you know the competition copied that too? So we were right back in the same pickle of having an identical product and not having the best uh, pricing opportunities. Fortunately for myself and for my company, uh, we stopped the focus on what we were selling and began to focus our energies on how we were selling as our differentiator. And that involved training. So I was forced as you know, sales leader and owner of the company to to, to develop training that would help us be different by the way we approached our customers and prospects. And we became very disciplined about that. And in fact, we, every, uh, every Monday night we, we, we trained. Uh, it wasn't called action selling back then, but it was you know, a training program that I developed uh, to, uh, to, to manage the problem we were having with uh, differentiation. And it didn't take very long that we became uh, a dominant player. We just uh, beat them in the street, so to speak. We outsold our competition. Uh, and we had a better uh, process to go to market than our competitors had. And it, it, it created a, a string difference. In fact, we went from you know zero market share to having 25% market share in a very large market, in, you know, Minneapolis-St. Paul area and became the number one provider of personal computers in, in our marketplace. It took just uh, six years to be able to do that, and we grew six times faster than the industry. Well, after I sold that company, I decided that I couldn't be the only person that has a problem with differentiation. So uh, other companies, I thought would have that same challenge that their products were viewed by the customer as very similar and that they would be looking for ways to differentiate so they can capture larger market share and do just what I did. Well, you know, I was exactly right. Um, 26 years later, we've trained, like you said, 400,000 salespeople in 3,500 different uh, companies. Um, all over the globe. Uh, we are now one of the top 20 uh, sales training companies in the world. So, um, you know, it's been a success. And uh, I know that your listeners probably are saying, you know what, our products are kind of hard to differentiate too. 
they look a lot, an awful lot like what uh, competitors uh, uh, sell. Yeah, it was, that is probably one of the biggest issues that uh, agents in the field listening today are facing is that they literally have the exact same products. And so differentiation is a little difficult because um, they can't do it with the product by itself. Uh, they're going to have to do it some other way and, you know, your process uh, gives them a great opportunity to do that. So I know you're well known for, you know, your nine-step or nine-act sales process. Um, what would you say are some of the top selling errors that you see salespeople make and how can we best overcome those to turn those into increased sales? Okay, very good question, and I think that, you know, as I enter the sales training business, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that we can train people on, uh, but um, people can't learn a hundred different things, let's face it, and you can't master a hundred different things. So we had to narrow it down to a smaller set of skills, and we're in the skills business, you know, we don't try to change people's DNA or their personality styles or anything like that. We focus our energies around developing better skill, uh, sales skills. And that is built around, you know, what are, what are the common failures that salespeople have? And I'll tell you briefly what they, they are and, what, and what's, what's the dominant failures. You know, number one failure, failure to gain commitment. Uh, closing, I think it's commonly called in our industry, we call it gaining commitment. Um, between 62 and 64 percent of salespeople do not ask for commitment during a sales interaction. Um, and you know that that's what we hire salespeople for is to because they're good at gaining commitment. Well in our assessments of salespeople we found that we, you know it used to be 62, now it's 64 percent are not asking for commitment during their sales call. Why does that happen? Uh, you know, they don't plan for it. They, they don't have a strategy or a vision for how commitment will happen during the selling situation. Uh, they don't have a procedure for gaining commitment. So, or they've learned some things that were manipulative and uh, no longer work, or maybe they've never worked. Uh, and sometimes uh, all of us miss buying signals during the sales process, so we, we miss opportunities to ask for commitment. But that, that's the number one. Um, fail of salespeople as a sales leader ask for commitment during a sales interaction. Um, the second one, um, questioning and listening skills. I mean, a lot. There's a lot of conversation around uh, the need to be better at questioning, so you can be a better listener. Uh, Eighty-six percent of us ask the wrong questions, and we miss sales opportunities because of it. We we miss, uh, you know. A, need for a product perhaps, or we miss a capability that um, a, a, or a key reason why someone would purchase from us because we don't ask enough questions. The third thing is um, we lack a, a sales process that's built around how buyers buy. Um, every customer making a major purchase decision has buying decisions that they make, and they made in a predetermined sequence. And I'll just give you a brief rundown of what they are. As buyers, we first evaluate that sales person. Do I trust that person? 
do I like that person? And we all know that if it's a financial services product, the salesperson probably paid some kind of commission. Do we want that person to earn a commission? Do I like them enough to, to give them that um, opportunity? So we, we evaluate the salesperson first, and then we evaluate the company or companies that they represent. Or, you know, do they have the right kind of policies? Do they have a good reputation? Are they viable? Um, and then we evaluate the product third, and then the price, and then we make a decision on when to buy. So should we move forward now? Should we stall? Those kinds of things. So those five buying decisions are relevant in every major purchase decision. Now, when salespeople orchestrate their calls, so they appeal to the first buying decision first, followed by the second, followed by the third, fourth, and fifth. If they get that sequence proper, they're highly successful. If we get out of sync with the customer's buying decisions, that's when we hear resistance. That's when we hear objections. That's when we lose. So, uh, you know, some customers will ask us about the price of the product before they even understand what the product is or how it'll help them or who we are or the companies that we represent that are, you know, and how that would be helpful to them. So sometimes they force the issue a little bit or attempt to. Um, a savvy salesperson, an action selling trained salesperson, will maybe give a brief answer but then get back on track. So we help the customer make these decisions in our favor. Another example is if customers don't like the salesperson, they're going to place a lot of more emphasis on the other buying decisions, such as price. Okay, so uh, if we, and it works just the other way too. If they like it, they feel the company that we're rep representing is solid and financially viable and got a good reputation and treats their customers well. I mean, as, as they make these positive decisions, price becomes much less of a factor. And you'll hear fewer objections about that. So having a sales process that follows the buying system you know, that's the third key failure. Most salespeople do not have that, um, um, you know, unless they've been trained on products like action selling. The fourth is salespeople are typically horrible at planning their sales calls, okay? Um, and planning them in a way, this is the most frequent mistake that salespeople make. They fail to uh, plan a call in a way that will result in a commitment. Okay, so we teach them how to uh, plan every call perfectly and gain commitment with every customer contact. 99% of us are not doing that correctly all the time. Presentation that, skills, go ahead. Question? Is that, is that uh, what you would commonly refer to as the commitment objective? Uh, yes, every okay. sales call has to have a commitment objective. If it's okay. a phone call and, and our sales process involves getting together face-to-face, -to -face, well, the commitment objective for a phone call is to schedule a face-to-face -face meeting. I mean, that may seem obvious, but we, we forget that that's the product. When the phone call is made or the customer calls you, if you're fortunate enough to have that happen, uh, you know, we want get, to get together with them, have an appointment, and we start talking about products. Well. What you're selling 
when an appointment is your goal, is the capability, what they're going to learn when they have an appointment with you. We don't talk about insurance products or investment services. We talk about the meeting. What are they going to gain by meeting with you? And if you can't justify the time, and you know, that in that case, the time is the price. If you can't justify enough time with you, then you've not done a good job of selling the value of meeting with you. So uh, commitment objective is key to running sales calls because it allows you to understand what you're really selling. Uh, the, the fifth fail is presentation skills. We, we think salespeople are natural born presenters and that they're going to be absolutely terrific at making presentations. And you're right, that some of them can talk endlessly about a topic and dazzle you with their vocabulary, um, but that's not what sales presentations should be. Sales presentations should be limited to connecting what needs you heard the customer express, the prospect express, to the capabilities that you have. And that's the only way the customer will perceive what you do as a solution. Presenting everything there is to know about an insurance product or an investment product is not what we need to do. Uh, only those things that are solutions to a customer's need. That's what we focus our energy on when we make presentations. And then 95% of us talk too much during a sales call. Okay. Hey, Dwayne, those are the here. five fails. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, and one thing that's clear here is that action selling really puts a priority on quant quantifying the results. I mean, you gave us some statistics, 64% of salespeople fail to gain commitment. So when you quantify and put numbers, how are you using that data to identify the best opportunities of gain for people specifically in our industry, financial services and insurance? Yeah, correct. What are the um, theories of, uh, of gain that, that you've seen from the data that you've collected? Great question. Um, we have been assessing salespeople for uh, well over 20 years. Um, in fact, Jeff, you were one of the first that we assessed way back uh, uh, when we worked together at the National Camera Exchange. Uh, our assessment tool was just being created. It's a validated skills assessment that assesses these five critical skills that I had just mentioned. Buyer-seller relationship, sales call planning, question listening skills, presentation skills, and gaining commitment skills. Those five skills we've been measuring uh, for well over 20 years. We've assessed over 400,000 salespeople in 3,500 different companies. Many of them are in the financial services industry. So when we have this huge database, what we've done is we've taken the companies that are in the financial services industry and compared them to all salespeople in the entire universe. The universe is represented by the 400,000 that we've assessed. And here's what we found. Um, some unique things about financial services. And one, 
by the way, financial services includes anybody in the insurance business. It includes banks and credit card companies, insurance companies, of course, stock brokerages, investment funds, et cetera. So that's the category financial services. The that's three things. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Okay, I hope so. Good. We've got every profession <laughs> and the universe covered, so we're doing good. <laughs> great, great. Here's the three things that jumped off the page when we did the research on financial services. Um, financial services lag the universe in the where they started with their skill levels. For some reason, they started behind the universe on just about every skill level. Uh, but uh, what we found is they were probably one of the hungriest learners that we had in the entire study. So their improvement uh, was incredible. I'll give you a couple examples. Sales call planning, they improved their ability to plan sales calls by 171%. Now that is really dramatic compared to others. But part of it is because they started at a point that was behind the universe, but they progressed beyond the universe by improving their sales call planning skills 171%. It's, it's, that's enormous. Uh, the second big uh, capability that jumped off the page was presentation skills. Uh, again, they started behind, they lag the universe, but uh, they improved by 147% in their ability to um, eliminate that skill deficiency. Their presentation skills dramatically improved. Um, you know, they were, they were terrific. And the third was, um, third critical skill was gaining commitment. Um, it's embarrassing how poor financial services was at um, applying the gaining commitment skills, and they scored 27%. Excuse me, I'm at my home. So there's other things going on here, but they, they, uh, they started at 27%, and they improved 190% in gaining commitment skills. So can you imagine what happens when a salesperson improves their skill of gaining commitment by 190%? 190%? It's just yeah, a mammoth improvement. It's massive. Well, I'm not surprised, you know, just in working with producers uh, for many, many years, uh, I'm surprised to find how many have never had any kind of formal sales training. So when we hear that, you know, their initial um, skill at, at gaining commitment is, is low, uh, it doesn't, it really doesn't surprise me just from my own long-term experience knowing many, many producers who, you know, they're charismatic, they're likable folks, and they, they've used that to sort of, um, you know, supplant the need for a, a, a structured process. Mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. the, and the results are, you know, kind of spotty sometimes, so. Well, let me tell a quick story about, about that because um, I've had, you know, I've been in the sales training business for a long time, so. I understand perceptions, and uh, recently I was uh, invited to a, it was a wine tasting party at, at my country club, and uh, as part of that event, we had uh, a representative from a, from a winery there. And let me tell you, talk about charisma, 
talk about gift of gab, this person was off the charts in his ability to describe uh, the vineyard where these wines came from, the process that, you know, how, how they first develops these grapes and, and what they do to process these grapes to make them into great wine. It was, it was uh, wonderful. Um, and when, I, when we left the event, uh, one of my friends commented, wow, that, is, that person was a classic salesperson. What a tremendous salesperson he was. And I just thought for myself to myself, well, I didn't see anybody place an order. I, not even the country club. Um, <laughs> so it was a great presentation. It was very entertaining. And he was charismatic, but there were no results. And I thought, you know, that's kind of how we view salespeople. They have this gift of gab. They can talk. They're the life of the party. And, uh, but that's not all that's involved in selling. Those are certainly great gifts to bring to the table. But skill has to accompany talent, okay? Um, you know, I have a little bit of talent but I've developed a lot of skill, and that's what's made me terrific at it. And Jeff, I think you're the, in the same mold. You were a, you know, a good-looking guy. You had a lot of, uh, you know, and a great smile, and, you know, a nice person. I felt, <laughs> yeah, I, we, we developed some skills, and those skills is what, those are what carry you, uh, and those are what differentiates you in you know going forward and working with customers is you just do a better job of orchestrating things and and now the vision of sale quality in salespeople has changed not everybody has to be highly gregarious not everybody has to be built out of the same personality style uh, we've seen successful salespeople today in every personality style even amiable people are able to become great at selling because they follow a plan and use a process to develop their skill. Well, that actually leads me to the next question, Duane. Um, you know, what are the benefits of this structured process? Uh, how does that really um, transform that sort of charismatic person into somebody that's really effective? Mm -hmm. uh, why, and really, why is action selling better than other sales training programs because of this structure? Yeah. You know, when I developed action selling, um, you know, when I had my computer company, it was handwritten on seven pieces of, of legal pad paper. Uh, so the process of creating a product around what I was teaching, um, you know, was it was a formidable task. But the, the key for me was it has to be highly visual. It has to be extremely well documented. It can't be something that you that that you can't can't understand. Can't get your arms around. Can't see. So you have to have a vision for it. And action selling is the best documented sales process on the planet. It is a proactive communications process. So it teaches salespeople how to plan, conduct and follow up on a sale like no other. It's, it's a procedure. And when we have a procedure, uh, we make fewer mistakes, and we can get better and better at it. That's why Jeff has been able to do the action selling for 20 years. 
it's it's a because it's a procedure, and he's been able to improve and get better and tweak and check his work and you know it's it's well documented procedure. When salespeople wing it, some of us are good at that. Some built a career around just going out there and figuring out as they go, but that's like ten percent. Ninety percent of us can't wing it very well. We think we may be able to, but we can't. It has. You have to have a plan, you have to have a procedure. So action selling is different in that it's a framework of skill that turns selling from an occupation into a profession. And uh, all of us want to be professionals. You know, professional salespeople is somebody that trains and educates themselves to get better and better at their work. I mean, you wouldn't want to go to a doctor that wasn't well trained. Um, I wouldn't want to go to a salesperson that wasn't well trained. So um, that's what we're. I think we have to think about our work as a profession, and all professions have to have a set of uh, standards. They have to have a way of operating, a, a guidelines, and salespeople should have the same thing. Action selling helps salespeople merge their relationship skills with selling skills, and it does it in a way that's highly productive and it's easy to do. So that's really what differentiates action selling. And there's a lot of other good training programs out there, uh, but not many that are well documented, uh, that focus on fundamental skills that when they're developed, they produce dramatic improvements. Um, we're not gonna teach people 100 things, we're gonna teach them five highly important selling skills that when you apply them well, you're gonna make a lot of money. I was gonna say, you know, I'm definitely the trained salesperson. That was the key to my success. Um, I don't think I was the ultra gregarious, natural, uh, charismatic guy. Um, I, I depended on the process and I really got a lot of confidence in my sales ability because of the process itself. I knew where I was at during the process and where I was going and had a way to gauge where the sales call was progressing and what I needed to do if it, if it got off track. So, uh, so I thank you for that. Um, I think you're welcome. You know, maybe, you know, you, I mean, you made me think of something, Jeff, because maybe the reason I developed this is because I needed it for myself. I wasn't natural born either. I was a little shy when I got into selling, and it was very difficult for me to make those calls. Uh, mm -hmm. Fortunately, I was highly determined. I wanted success, and I wanted it badly. I was able to overcome it because I had some training and you know a, a good amount of drive. Um, so, I, you know, anybody out there that struggles with call reluctance or um, you know. They know they need to do a quantity of work, but are struggling to do that. Um, learn something like this because it builds confidence. It allows you to overcome any resistance that you have to picking up the phone or turning a doorknob, uh, going out and seeing you know a family that needs what the products that you offer. Um, if you become competent, your confidence level will grow and. It did that for me, and it sounds like it did that for you too, Jeff. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dwayne, hey, stay with us. We're going to take a short break, and we'll have more Quantum Marketing Radio 
after the short commercial. Are you independent? Be part of the cutting edge in fixed life and annuity marketing for the independent agent and advisor. Discover the ECA Advantage, where you'll find the marketing systems, training, products, and expert support you need to take your business to the next level. Sign up now for your free ECA Advantage Network account to get access to ECA's Knowledge is Power 2016 Keynote Video Series, where Kim O'Brien discusses the DOL ruling. For more information, call ECA Marketing today at 800-356-4189 or visit our website, ecamarketing.com. All right, welcome back. Again, this is Quantum Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Louis Hillman, alongside the Leverage Marketing Guy. Hey, Jeff Thompson here. And we are picking up our conversation with Dwayne Sparks. Dwayne built Action Selling, and we're talking about sales training. And Dwayne, I mean, there really is a lot of negativity or reluctance from people in our industry or anybody in sales to uh, to doing sales training and believing that it might not stick. So, um, you know, what what do you think are the key components to make sure the sales tra- training actually translates into success out in the field? And um, how do you specifically address that with your program? Lots of questions here, Louis. Uh, I'll do my best. Uh, I think that all of us have attended seminars and workshops in the past, and they were intended to help you know lift our sales spirits and teach us new things and improve our selling game. Um, here's the problem with workshops and seminars is that within 30 days, uh, 87% of what we've heard and what we've learned during a seminar is forgotten. So there's 13% left. You can imagine... Uh, six months or a year later, how much of that is remaining? Probably nothing. Um, it has to be reinforced, and salespeople have to be held accountable for the learning. Um, what happens, you know, when you measure something, you know, I think they're all saying, well, what gets measured gets done. Well, in, in training, what gets measured gets learned. So if we don't measure it, people don't think it's important. Um, and salespeople are competitive. They want to get a score. So they, uh, I think it's a, a really good idea to have measurement. So reinforcement and measurement are keys to learning um, of anything, uh, but particularly in the sales area. Action selling is a leader in those two areas. Back in the early 90s, we developed uh, the action selling skills assessment. Um, it's a validated instrument that measures the critical selling skills that uh, are required to be highly effective at sales. Um, These are skills that can be learned. We can teach them. Of course, we can measure them. And we are measuring them both in terms of what salespeople know about them and most importantly about what they are able to use in each skill. So, um, and then we report on that. Every person that goes through our course it's a personalized report that shows exactly where they started, where they grew to, and what happened when they certified. So critical that they're measured. The other thing is reinforcement. A couple things that are key to that. Number one, you have to have a plan for it. You have to have um, activities that drive the learning from the classroom into the field. So we have exercises that salespeople actually do in the field. Um, where they 
they'll plan a call and uh, they are required to do certain things to create that plan, for example. Uh, so reinforcement, assessment, um, critical to um, learning of anything. And the third thing is um, we're a big believer in training coaches. So coaches can talk the same language as their salespeople do. So I, I know that every sales organization has some structure to it. Um, if uh -huh. salespeople speak one language and the manager speaks another, that's not a good thing. So we all have to be able to talk about selling in the, in the common language in the same way. So uh, it's really critical that any sales training has and then language embedded in it. So there are terms for certain things. You know, Jeff, you mentioned commitment objectives. Uh, a, a critical term, something that's unique to action selling, a key concept. Um, I would say that every sales coach that we've trained asks their salespeople when they're going to go out on a call, what's your commitment objective? So mm -hmm. one example of language that uh, coaches need to be trained just like um, salespeople. Um, they're not natural born either. so. We train them to be highly effective at helping their sales uh, representatives become as effective as possible and make as much money as, as, as possible at the same time. Well, I know we're, we're getting uh, close to the end of our interview, and this has all been very interesting. So um, I want to kind of take us a little different direction. Uh, what trends are you seeing you know, in selling um, that our listeners might be able to take advantage of. And what do you think you might do to best grow their business today, you know, in terms of process or selling in general? Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I hear the same TV and radio commercials that, that everybody does. And, and in your industry, uh, in the media is uh, advertising like crazy for financial services and insurance products. So we've got uh, ducks that want to tell us what insurance to buy and mayhem that gets in the way of having a great day and flow that tells us uh, how to price uh, insurance products and, and, and popular actors that are representing certain things. You know, their, their attempt is to commoditize the insurance business and the financial services business. Um, I can tell you, I'm not alone, but I'm not someone that wants to buy my investment products that deal with the safety and security of my family. I don't want to buy those things over the internet. I want to have a trusted person that I can look in the eye and get advice from. So, um, quick story, I know I'm running out of time, but I, I have a quick story. I have a lot of quick stories. <laughs> Here's another one. Uh, years ago, uh, when I had hair, Jeff, you know, when we had more hair, uh, I went to the barber, and um, I was in the barber chair, and I'm literally telling my barber, you know, how I want him to cut my hair. And finally, I looked up. He's got his hands on his hips, and he says to me, "He says, Dwayne, I don't teach. I don't tell you how to sell. Don't tell me how to cut hair." And I said, "Oh, that's right. You are the professional, aren't you? You know." And my wife. Uh, bless her heart, she, she catches me every now and then telling, you know, somebody that's professional what they should be doing. And she said, hey, they're the professional. Let them do their job. 
Um, and that's the way I feel about professional services. Um, I have people that help me make high quality decisions that are based on my situation. Okay? And they've taken the time to understand my situation and they make recommendations to me. And certainly I have my biases and I'll provide input, but at the end of the day, I trust them. And I, they help me act and uh, my investments and protect the security of myself and my family. So um, I think it, you have to be the consultant, the advisor. You have to act like one. Um, my advice to people in the insurance business, you know, you're dealing with a lot of competition. It's, and it's not going to get any less competitive. Um, there's two things you can work on. Um, very simply, quality work. That's what we're talking about today, developing your quality, the quality of the work that you do, and quantity. You have to do the quantity. You need both. Um, you can't just do one and not the other. So make enough calls, continue impro improving the quality of your work every day, and you'll be successful. So um, I have a sales force, and I have to talk to them sometimes about improving quality or enhancing the quantity of the work they do. They go hand in hand. Sometimes if you've got great quality, you don't have to do as much quantity. But if you're new to the business, you have to do a lot of quantity. So making the calls is, is really um, crucial to success. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, if you improve your quality, the resistance to making calls goes down, so you get better and better at it, and you'll feel more comfortable and you have more fun doing it. You'll be more su successful, and that continues to drive the, uh, the desire to make more calls. So Dial that's my message to all salespeople. <laughs> yep, we call it dialing for dollars. Uh, we all do it. We all do it, and uh, some do it better than others. Um, some do more of it than others, and I think the combination of the two, if you do it well and you do enough of it, uh, that's the formula. It's simple as that. Well, that's, that's some great tips and advice for agents listening in today. Uh, if somebody wanted to do a little deeper dive into what Action Selling and the Sales Board offers, um, what should they do? I, you know, my best advice is uh, go to actionselling.com, actionselling.com. Uh, we uh, have the white paper that you mentioned earlier that deals with financial services. It's available free of charge on our, you can download it on our website. Probably one of the first things you'll see as you uh, access the website is free big data reports. So. Um, Go through that process of uh, filling out the name and address and that kind of thing and, and download the financial services report. Very informative. It's probably about 10 or 12 pages long, uh, but lots of charts and graphs and, and, and advice and recommendations for salespeople in the financial services industry. Dwayne, we appreciate the insight into action selling and um, your advice to, you know, our listeners about how they can become uh, more effective salespeople by implementing a sales training process. So, uh, very much appreciated today. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. It was Thank great you. to uh, up with you again, and 
and uh, I really I really do appreciate the work you've done. It's made a huge impact in my career. So, um, and it was really fun to have you on the the podcast today. I enjoyed it very much, and thank you for having me. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Find out more about the quantum marketing system at quantummarketingsystem.com.